You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. ...has been able to destroy the things that have bound us up. Many of us understand that because we've tangled with things in our life that have held us captive until we found Jesus, until we allowed the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit came to do, which is to break those things. We had never experienced freedom before. But in Jesus, we found freedom. That message is the target of why Jesus came to earth. And the hope that every one of us have today is this. No matter what you're facing, and I'm only speaking to a few people here, no matter what you're walking through, no matter how deep it seems, no matter how treacherous or painful, no matter what lie you think you've been convinced of that you'll never be free, that is simply just a lie. Because of Jesus... He has come, and he will, and he is still in the business. His target is still right, dead center of breaking the destructive patterns that the enemy has tried to come and convince us that we are bound to. That was the target. How does that happen? How do we see these captives set free? In this house, there's two distinct things that I mentioned, praise and proclamation. Let me talk for just a second about the power of praise. Why is praise so powerful? And how do we praise? Praise is powerful because simple truth, the Bible tells us that God inhabits the praises of his people. God comes down as as we praise. This is more than just the song service that we have here. It's more than just music that our musicians, our great musicians are playing. This is praise. It's an active, engaging, interactive experience that God promises to come down and to have something happen while we praise Him. He comes down and He meets with us. Let me read to you Psalm 149, verses 1 through 6. You can write these down and you can go back and look at them on your own time. It says this, Praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song, His praise in the assembly of His faithful people. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the people of Zion be glad in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with timbrel and harp. For the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with victory. Let his faithful people rejoice in this honor and sing for joy on their beds. May the praises of God be in their mouths and a double-edged sword in their hands. This word praise is the Hebrew word halal from which we get our word hallelujah. Every time you say hallelujah, you're really singing out praise. But the beautiful meaning of this word, you have to understand, because it shows you how we are to praise, what praise is. See, some of you this year, here's going to be a simple goal that you're going to have is to begin to praise in a new way. It's to begin to praise in a new way. Because as you praise, God shows up. He begins to meet with us. But this word hallel does something powerful inside of us. Let me tell you what it means. The first thing that it means is this, is to make clear and brilliant, to focus on the one who who we're praising, to center in on that, to make it clear, to make it show up, to make it brilliant. And as we praise... As we praise, what we're doing is that we are making the very presence of God clear and brilliant in our life. Why do we need that? Because there's a lot of things in our life that begin to pollute our sense of where God is in us, aren't there? There's a lot of things that get us worked up. 
There's a lot of things that tangle up our emotions and our minds, and we battle with those through the course of the week so that when we come in here in the corporate setting, the first thing that praise does is it begins us to focus us in to the thing that matters the most, and it makes it clear, and it makes it brilliant in our life. That's wonderful. It begins to shake off all the nonsense and all the heavy things that have been attached to us. God doesn't want you walking around like Eeyore. Everybody knows who Eeyore is. He's my favorite Winnie the Pooh character. I just feel sad for the guy. Oh, boy. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know, Pooh. <laughs> We're never going to get the honey. <laughs> I've got something pinned to my bottom. <laughs> you know, I don't know. He's just mad he's got a tack in his butt. I don't know. <laughs> Some of you are like, that's it. Too much. Second thing that it means is this. It's to show the bright, brightness of light. This is a very powerful revelation that we need to catch because this is what an encounter is. When we talk about and we throw around the word encounter, 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 we want to encounter God, we want to encounter God. Here is what praise does. Praise enables you to encounter God because it shows the brightness of light. The word light, whenever it is used in Scripture, in the context in the scriptural meaning is this, is revelation. And so as we praise, our spirit becomes aware. It becomes alive. The part of us that has been created in the nature and the image of God becomes awakened. And what happens is when God encounters us, we are getting a clear line of communication that we are seeing and revelation becomes downloaded into us. We see ourselves the way God has designed us and we begin to hear his purposes and plans the way he intended that is the power of praise. That should be where your expectation is every time you come in these doors on Sunday morning. It should not be to say, and this, this isn't you, but I'm saying if this ever has slipped into the back of your head, shouldn't it be to say, oh, I hope they play my jam today. I like that real song. Where Justin goes, nah, nah, nah. you know, he gets down on it. I hope, oh gosh, the, 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 it's, not, it's not just right. Oh, the words weren't, oh. <laughs> No, no. Do you know, honestly, come on, this is family, all right? Do you know that you don't need words? Like, we just do that as, an, as just a benefit, right? That's something we put into the mix. But, but in Psalm 149, it says, And let the words be upon the screen so that the people can rejoice and praise. <laughs> no. You know why? <laughs> this is fun. You know why? It's because if you don't see words, start singing what's in your heart. That's what the scripture says, sing a new song to the Lord. <laughs> and if you don't know a new song before the Lord, you've got to practice Monday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Friday, right? I mixed it up. <laughs> Let's keep going. The last two things that this word halal means is a little bit of a stretcher here, but you've got to understand it. I'm going to give you a little bit of biblical proof on it. It means to make a show and to be foolish. The word hellel, praise, means to make a show and to be foolish. Wow. Here's a challenge for us, folks. It's to stretch ourselves in every act of worship that we engage. And there's a distinct purpose for this, this, this meaning of hallel, why, why we must have it in our praise, is because there is a part of your life that is restricted. There is a part of your life where you walk around, and you don't, have to, you don't have to admit this right now, but in your heart you know it's true. 
you walk around and you're told how to act a certain way at work. You're told what to do. You feel a little handcuffed here and there. You bottle up your emotions. You do all these things. And some of you are a little bit of a time bomb. And can I say this as a side note to praise? Is that praise is actually a stress reliever. Because you come in and it gives you permission to act a little foolish, to make a show. Am I inviting you to run on chairs here and run around the building? No. We're not set up for that and neither are your hips, okay? (laughs) I don't want you busting your tail on one of the chairs. But you know what? Here, Here is my stretch for you. Some of you maybe have never clapped before the Lord. You know, just start with a little toe tap. You know what I'm saying? Just do, do this. Maybe you don't want to move your upper body yet. Just, just, you know, just do it and integrate the upper body and then add a clap. You know, oh, yeah. It doesn't matter if you're on beat. Start soft. Nobody will hear you. All right? Some of you are maybe have done, you know, the little like, you know, here I am. Like I'm reaching out for a cab praise, you know. You, you need to go to the field goal praise. All right? You need to go to the airplane praise. Some of you all need a little scoot around, do a little thing. I'm, I'm a jammer, right? I jam out. I'm like, yeah, come on, God, you're going to do it, you know? Why? What's the purpose of it? Where's the biblical context for it? Well, David gives us great biblical context for it and why it sets us free. It's because David had the great honor of bringing the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem for the first time. And the scripture tells us that he stripped down to his underwear. Not allowed here. Not allowed here. All right? I'm telling you all right now, the Ark of the Covenant's not here. Don't do it. But the scripture tells us that he's, he danced before the Lord and danced around the Ark of the Covenant and danced for his people. And his wife was watching out the window and she was getting angry. I can't believe the king is doing this. He is so, oh my gosh, he is embarrassing. Somebody is going to Instagram this. This is terrible. And she walks down to David after celebration. She starts to David, 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 David. Let me tell you something. You are a king and you acted like a fool. The scripture says undignified. David said, what? Well, man, if you think I've been undignified, it's in the message translation. If you think I've been foolish, I will become even more foolish for the Lord. Why? Because the word hallel, praise, means foolish. And some of you need to get a little foolish for the Lord. Some of you need to get a little bit outside of yourself because yourself hasn't gotten you anywhere. Because your thinking and your restrictiveness hasn't gotten you anywhere. You need to open up your praise a little bit. You need to be a little bit more expressive in your praise and do it. Hey, if it's not you, don't do it. I, I don't, it doesn't mean you're a good or bad Christian. But I'm telling you that if you want to unlock something in your heart, and why praise unlocks something and brings a level of freedom is for these two reasons. $100 bet if Tony Romo scores today, some of y'all are going to get a little foolish and make a show, right? Jumping around there, oh my gosh, he did it. You're going to try the Ezekiel Elliott jump into the kettle thing, right? <laughs> Lighten up, guys. All right? <laughs> praise does something powerful in our lives. The reason why we praise is because it shakes off the heavy things, the heavy weights, the bondages that fall upon our mind, and it begins to break them off. The scripture says, as we lift up a shout of praise, as we lift up a praise, the enemy scatters a thousand different ways. I want to tell you something. If you want to unlock your 2017, if you want to begin to say, look, I want this to be the best year and set my expectations, set your expectation in praise. Set your expectation in praise. Don't let it just be Sunday morning. Let it be every day of your week. The second thing that we do is we 
we believe that God has put into the ground, God has put into the ground of this house that through praise and the word proclamation, the captives are set free. Let me give you just a beautiful example of proclamation. Thank you for letting me read these scriptures to you this morning. In Luke 7, 14 through 21, Jesus makes a proclamation. He's in the temple. Jesus was a rabbi. He was allowed to be in the temple. Every day the rabbis would gather. They would pull from the scrolls of the Old Testament prophets. And they would read. The beautiful irony about this one is that Jesus was handed this scroll. And it came from the prophet Isaiah. It says, Unrolling it, he found in the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of the sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll. This is what I want you to see. Because he had been reading in Isaiah at this point. Then he rolled up the scroll. He gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, Today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Here is what Jesus did is that he proclaimed the truth of the word, the messianic word found in Isaiah. He was handed to him. God knew what he was doing. The Holy Spirit knew what was happening in this moment as he stood before these teachers and these rabbis and he read from it. He found the place and he read it. And did you hear how many times the word proclaim was mentioned in Isaiah's reading? He began to proclaim, he began to proclaim, he began to proclaim. And then he turned around and he said, today, he made the highest proclamation. Today, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Every one of us join in with Jesus. Every time we proclaim what Jesus has done in our lives, how are people set free? They're set free when the proclamation of the word of God from this place and in your heart goes out and it becomes living, a tangible reflection of the gospel that brings freedom to all men. There's a two-way street. The proclamation of the word has to come here because it is from the word that we gain faith. It is from the word that we gain freedom. It is from the word of God that the Holy Spirit plants the seeds of life inside of us from which we grow. But the proclamation does not stop there. See, there are people that God has strategically lined you up with and maybe up until this point, you have not felt like you've had a tool in the tool belt to offer to bring them life. But if you will begin to proclaim the things that God has done in your life and the things that God is doing in your life, it will bring freedom. Jesus could have simply read from the scroll of Isaiah, handed it back, sat down, not said anything. But what he did began to unlock something in the hearts of those teachers that day that boggled them, that confused them, that planted a seed of hope in them, that started a chain reaction and said, today, the best proclamation you're going to hear is that the things you've been hoping for, the things we've been sitting around studying for years and years and years, today it has been fulfilled. Hope has come. Freedom has come. 
Everybody here in this county, in this state, in the Bible Belt knows somebody that goes to church. But do they know somebody who has felt and received the freedom that Jesus has given in their own life and is willing and bold enough to declare it to them, to say there is a God that still sets free, that still heals, that still restores, that still adds hope and life, that opens up barrenness. There is. There is. When we proclaim, that's what happens. When we proclaim, that's what happens. The gospel must be proclaimed. It's not simply enough to have a target. The gospel must be proclaimed. The gospel is the testimony of Jesus in us. The gospel is the message that sets men's hearts free. So we see our vision and our target, our goal. Our goal is this, to become a people who are fully committed followers of Jesus Christ. Being free is not simply just getting free from addictions. Getting free is not simply hurtling the one thing that you you have not been able to get through. Freedom is coming and becoming a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ. I believe this church is called to that. I believe this church, and one of the reasons why this church is beautiful is because this church is truly multi-generational. We have folks who have been walking with the Lord for 30, 40 years here, longer, who have hurled some of the biggest things that you could possibly imagine, things that for some of us are unfathomable. And the testimony within their hearts unlocks something to the next generation that says, listen, it is possible for you to get through this and to become fully committed, living in the abundance of who Jesus Christ is. And every time that is turned over and that is modeled, what happens is that we begin to grow up into the fullness of Jesus Christ. We become the beautiful bride that Jesus has called us to be. Our goal is to pursue the Holy Spirit in everything in this house. To lean fully upon the Holy Spirit. How nonsensical, it's not even a word, how nonsensical would it be for us to talk this kind of talk and not put our reliance 100% upon the Holy Spirit. How ridiculous would it be to say that we believe in the Jesus who sets men's hearts free and breaks these things and brings us into the fullness of life apart from the power of the Holy Spirit, apart from actively pursuing the power of the Holy Spirit in this house. It doesn't make sense. The Holy Spirit is not a silent partner in the Trinity. He is a major player in the new covenant life. He is somebody who must be relied upon in daily intimacy with, allowed to come in and to alter and change the shape of our life, to empower us to the full place so that every gift he gave is seen so that the body can be built up. We should rejoice in that. We should set that as our goal. A goal that we can have in this house and for every one of us this year is to fully rely upon the power of the Holy Spirit for every decision and every choice and in every area of our life to consult Him daily, to spend time in the Spirit every day, to listen and desire to be led by the Holy Spirit every day. That means this very simply, very practically, is that we've got to notch out a part of our day to commune with the Holy Spirit. If we desire that, we've got to notch out a place in our hearts, in our minds, in our service where we commune with the Holy Spirit. 
It must happen. It's who you are as a believer. It's who you are as a believer. Understanding and setting expectation for 2017, you have to understand that you are what Jesus says you are. That's why you need a target. That's why you need a target. I've had conversations with many folks here who have told me the things that God has called them to. And friends, if you believe that about yourself, then accept that as your identity. Because it's what Jesus says you are. And if it's what Jesus says you are, head toward that place. See, some of the issue we have with accepting the identity that Jesus Christ has given us is that we measure our future against our past. And the first thing that you have to do in order to understand your identity in Jesus Christ is to let go of your past and to head toward your future. I can't say it any simpler than this. It doesn't matter what your yesterday was. It doesn't matter what your yesterday was. If you are certain about your tomorrow in Jesus Christ, head toward it. The Apostle Paul said it the best in Philippians 3, 13 and 14. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. If you need a key to help realize your identity in Christ, write down what you think it is that God has called you to. Make it as specific as possible. Don't cut corners. Don't sell yourself short. Do not kind of knock yourself down to where you think you are. Look firmly into the Holy Spirit and ask God where He is calling you and what He has said about you. You write it down. You submit it to somebody you love, that you trust, that loves you. You let them look at it and you ask them to help you pray over this. And every day you take one little step. Don't run the mile. Don't run the marathon. Take one little step. The journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. You take one little step to heading toward that And that first step may be, I forget the things of yesterday. I forget the things that I might be bound to in my thinking. I forget the things and the mistakes of the past. I forget the errors. I forget the things that undercut my identity, the things that Jesus Christ has called me to. I put it firmly under the blood of Jesus, and I take a small step toward the thing he has called me to. If you will do that with the help of the Holy Spirit, you will be light years closer to the thing God has called you to. In this next year, you will also find an unfound joy that can only be found in pursuing your calling. This is what Paul's saying. He says, listen, I know that I haven't achieved it. I know that I'm not the man, and I'm not asking you for a button that says I'm a man, the man. But what I'm telling you is this. I'm convinced of what Jesus has called me to. I know what people say about me. I know that I used to murder Christians. I know I used to persecute the church. I know that's what some of you think. I know some of you don't think that I'm really an apostle. Did you know that? The church in Corinth doubted he was really an apostle. Some of you don't believe that, but what I'm convinced of is what Jesus said about me. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to forget those yesterdays. Some of your yesterdays may not even be your fault. 
but I'm going to forget those things and I'm going to push every day to the calling, to the mark. And see, in order to do that, you've got to have your eyes fixed and you've got to be firmly convinced. That is why you are in a body together. Because if you keep what's in you just to you, the chances are you're not going to hit it. That's why God has fit you into a body. And if we've got to convince you of that by making these chairs closer and closer together, we will. <laughs> We're going to sandwich you, make you snuggle up against somebody. Because God fits you in here. And there are people who love you, who know you, who believe in you. And you've got to begin to share those things. Justin, come on up. 15 minutes to the Cowboys. I hope you guys DVR'd it. 12.05. You guys are great. Really quick, let's just wrap this up. How do we set our expectation? Three simple things. Believe in what God says. Believe in what God says. Believe in what God says. Believe in what the Word of God says about you and your future. You've got to be in the Word. You've got to be in the Word. This is a good day to get on your Bible app and to set a small goal to read your Bible let me give you a little bit of practical application on that. Practical application on that. <clears throat> Don't do what I do. Don't set three different whole Bible reading plans on your app. Because you won't do it. Try a month. Read your Bible every day for a month or even for a week. Set a plan that's attainable. Here's why. You've got to be in the Word to know what the Word of God says about you. You've got to be in the Word of God every day to know what the Word of God says about you. That doesn't mean you need to ingest five chapters a day. That means you need to ingest the Word every day with expectation, asking the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Because in order for you to believe in what God says, you have to know what the Word of God says about you. You have to know what God is calling you to. Some of you know this already because you don't want to go through some of the things you went through this last year. Some of you say, I don't want to be fearful anymore. I want fearlessness. Some of you say, I don't want anxiety anymore. Those are goals. This is what God says about you. He calls you to, to peace. Some of you say, look, I kind of wandered around this last year. God's called you to future. Some of you say, listen, my finances were a mess this year. God's called you to prosperity. He doesn't want you broke. Some of you might get offended by that. Get over it. He doesn't want you broke. Some of you dealt with issues in your physical health, and I understand some of these are ongoing things, but God wants you healed. Let me, let me, right, let me pause real quick. Um, I'm reading a little bit of Smith Wigglesworth right now. If anybody knows who that is, he's going to mess you up. It's a guy used to punch people in the stomach with cancer, and they get healed. He also preached and asked the Lord, Holy Spirit, every day, where do you want me to go? And he would wait and pray until the Holy Spirit told him someplace to go. But without fail, he would go to the place the Holy Spirit told him to, and there would be somebody there that needed Jesus. And he would tell them about Jesus, and he went unto Jesus. But you know what? He, he kind of resolved something in his heart, and it's hard to argue against because of the testimony that followed his life is that it's either God's real or he's not. But see, sometimes we say that in our hearts, and, and the thing is, we're asking God to prove it instead of saying, God, I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to step out. Some of you, that's you today, and you need to stop 
testing God and begin to step out into the things you know that are true about him and believe them and do those things and step out by faith on those things because it's what he has called and said about you. And establish a thing in your heart. Establish a thing in your heart. Establish that the enemy won't touch your home. Establish it in your heart. And mark your ground. Begin to pray over your house and your children. The enemy will not touch my children. Sickness will not come into my home. The enemy will not rob my finances. The enemy is not going to rob my future. If that doesn't measure up to you, let me just give you another point of reference as to why this should matter to you. Because you can tell people about Jesus until you're blue in the face, but if you're anemic under the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus is not carrying the weight it has been called to carry in your life. And the blood of Jesus is not anemic, it is not weak, it is not powerless. It is powerful to save completely. But we must establish it in our heart. Plan according to the Holy Spirit. I've talked about this already. Ask the Holy Spirit with your major decisions and then act in faith. Take a step in faith every day. Faith is not the absence of fear. Faith is not the absence of fear. You most likely will feel a little bit of fear when you step out in faith, but push past your fear and trust the one who has called you. Trust the power of the Holy Spirit. Step out in faith. Here's where we're going to set our expectation. Where God is in us, not in what we see. Not in what we see. You need to have a plan. You need to have a plan for restoration. Some of you, in your plan for restoration, you need to ask the Lord for grace, for forgiveness and healing. Some of you need to go and ask for forgiveness for somebody in your family that you're asking the Lord for restoration from health. You need to receive the truth of who you are. Some of you have set goals, like many of us, for your your physical health. You want to lose weight. You want to get in better shape. As a child of God, as a son or daughter of God, listen, I want want to say this very clearly to every one of you. Before you do that, make sure you understand that Jesus has made you beautiful on the inside before you start working on your outside. Because your identity will get turned upside down and your pursuits will become mixed up. But if you understand that who you are on the inside is beautiful because of what Jesus Christ has said, then the Holy Spirit will empower your outward steps to do what needs to be done to get healthy. And your money. Some of you need to trust the Lord in the tithe this year. You need to trust the Lord in the tithe this year. It's a promise that Jesus gave, that God gave to bless your finances. So you say, Pastor, I don't know if I can give 10%. Start with two. And every week, add a half percent. God said, test them. If it doesn't improve your finances, you can stop. It's his word, not mine. Your future. Some of you are asking God for better jobs, for better opportunities. Ask him to open the doors for you. He loves you. He loves you. Those of you who are breaking addictions in in your life, listen, There's not an addiction, as I mentioned before, that is too powerful for Jesus. There's not an addiction that's too powerful for Jesus. 
2 Corinthians 10.4 says, the weapons that we warfare with are not carnal. They're not carnal. They're not your willpower. They're not your might. They're not your resolve. They're not the strength of your mind. You're not pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. But they are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. If there's been something you've been struggling with for years and years and years, acknowledge it for what it is. It's something that is blocking you from receiving the fullness of Jesus Christ in you. It's a stronghold. The good news is this. The Holy Spirit is in the business of wiping out strongholds. If you will submit it to the Holy Spirit, if you will submit it every day to the Holy Spirit, submit it to the Holy Spirit and establish your faith in the place of the truth of the Word of God, He will do the work for you. He will do the work for you. He will do the work for you. This year, our challenge is this. Make a new commitment to grow. We've got some exciting things that are going to be happening in this church. Many of you know my brother-in-law, my dear friend, Pastor Spud. Love this guy. I love he and his wife. God's going to do big things in their life this year. Excited. Pastor Spud and Kiki have been youth pastoring at our church for Three and a half years. I can't do the half sign with my fingers. <clears throat> and it's into, before the tail end of this year, I asked him, I said, but I feel like God's making some changes here. I need you to think about pastoring our young adults here. Because God's bringing in young adults into this house. He said, you know, it's funny as I'm kind of feeling the same way. I'm feeling that same urge. And I, we've recognized the call of God in his life and his wife's life. I said, I'm going to do that. So starting on Wednesdays, Pastor Spud and Kiki are going to be pastoring our young adults. Kim and I and some other folks, a team of folks are going to be, hey, don't get, don't get nervous. We're a middle-aged group, right? All right. The, the, the never forgets. I don't know what you want to call us, right? 40. You look like me. Come see me, all right? You know, that's, that's great. If you come to me, you don't look like me. I'm going to tell you, all right? I'm going to be honest with you because I love you. And then, I don't want to embarrass Ronnie and Charlotte, but they're going to head up a team that's going to be pastoring our, our mature believers, our older folks. Here's why. I want you all to hear this very clearly. It's because there's needs for each one of these groups, and they're very important. They're very important. But what I believe God is doing again is building a multi-generational church that is going to feed into one another. And what's going to begin to happen in this house is there's going to be a tremendous amount of growth, both numerically as we build the net, as we show ourselves faithful to build the net, and then through the life that is being circulated here. There's an agreement with our elders. There's an agreement as leaders in this church that we are going to nurture and build every part of this church in a way that edifies and grows everybody so that we can hit our target, fulfill our vision, hit our target, and grow into fully mature followers of Jesus Christ. See, aren't you glad you need to be happy about this? Because aren't you glad there's a resource to help you grow this year? Aren't you glad? And then some more exciting news that we have is that Holly, wave your hand back there. She's back behind the computer watching the game, the pre, pre-game. Shame on you, Holly. But I, I wouldn't expect anything less from her because Holly and, and, with, and Justin alongside of her are going to be taking on our youth. And our youth are moving. 
And I want you to hear this. I don't want you to be afraid of this because I want you to invest, even if you don't have youth, all right? Because God has spoken something very clear. I know I'm running out of time. Stop watching your clocks, all right? Don't look at your phones. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Just DVR the dumb game, all right? It's going to be there when you come home. Our youth are going to be moving to Sunday nights. God spoke to me about, while I was here youth pastoring 18 years ago. (laughs) If you look like me, come talk to me afterwards. In a dream. I've shared this through the years because this dream has never left me. And this is what this house is. I'm going to tell you something. I'll kick over a chair in a second. I'm going to get excited. In this dream, I heard a cry. It was a cry, like from a group. And it was a cry. (laughs) It was a cry of young people. It was a cry of young people. A generation. You got, oh man, cry of young people, generation, were crying out because they were in pain, because they were broken hearted, because they were... <laughs> they were bound. Then I heard another cry. It was a shout, it was a roar. It came from a generation that we're fully convinced of the power of God in their life. And it brought healing. It brought healing to that generation. I was crying. I'm telling you this because this is who we are. If any of you here are confused about any decisions that are happening in this house and thinking that we're cutting any corners, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to look you dead in the eyes and say, there is no way, no way, no way that we are. Because we are stretching out for something and every person here, from the oldest person here to the youngest person here, is connected in covenant with this truth. And it's been in this house from the very beginning. It has been in this house as we pursue things for this generation, as we open up this door from Pastor Monty to me. For a generation to come to know in a powerful way, not a cutesy, mamsy, pamsy way, but in a real way, the love of Jesus that sets them free. And I want to tell you something. Listen, if you've got young people here that's been planted, that's been planted, that's been planted, that's been, and some of you, you just haven't noticed, but that's been, that's been what's been going on on Wednesdays. That's what's been happening on Wednesdays. That's been circulating. That's been stewing. And we're just throwing more in the kettle here. But you need to get your young people out on Sunday nights. As we start letting this stuff out, You need to get your young people. You need to tell young people. You need to get them out here. I don't care. Bribe them. Give them money. I don't care how you get them out here. Buy them a phone. Some of you are like, whoa, no way. Some of you would give up your life savings to see that one loved one in your house set free. So don't don't look at me like a phone's too much. I love y'all. We got some exciting things happening. Why? Because we're setting our expectations are setting our expectations. Make a commitment to grow. Invest fully. Don't invest halfway. If you know what Jesus has called you to, invest fully and then start moving. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you that in you all things are new. All things are great. All things are big, bigger than what we can even ask or imagine. 
Lord, there are folks here that this last year was not a good year. And so, Holy Spirit, let your grace come and fill their hearts right now. Let it begin to unlock their hearts in a way that allows them to put their trust in you, in their tomorrow, in their future, God. By your grace, by your mercy, begin to wash away the pain that happened last year and let the newness of life flood in. If that's you right now, just begin to make an altar before the Lord and say, that's me. I got to let go of some stuff from 2016. However you need to do it, get on your knees, raise your hands, just sit still if you have to. But right now, we let go of 2016. Like Pastor Spud said, we, we realize, God, that you've been in the middle of all of it and that your goodness has shown through, and we thank you for what the, has happened in 2016. But, God, we begin to set our expectations on what you want to do this year. And by doing that, God, we're making a commitment to grow into the fullness of your calling for us. And we're saying right now that we're going to invest fully and we're going to begin to take steps of faith. So, Holy Spirit, begin to set the target in every one of our hearts as to the things you're calling us to. Let our eyes become fixed upon it. Let our faith become established upon it. Let it not waver, not let it move to the left or to the right, but let it become established Let it become the thing that we stand upon as the firmness of your word. God, I thank you for faith growing in in the hearts and the minds of the folks here. That great faith would begin to be stirred up in this place. That there would be great faith, Lord. Thank you for a generation that you're bringing into revival, Lord God. Thank you for the seeds that have been planted in this ground through faithfulness and obedience, Lord God. Let us hit our target this year. Let us hit our target this year of doing the things that you've called us to, Jesus, of seeing those who have been bound by sin set free, seeing life come to the hopeless. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Let freedom begin to abound in every one of our hearts. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we just receive that from you right now. We rely fully upon you, Holy Spirit, and we thank you. We thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just right where you are as we close out this service, just welcome the Holy Spirit to come and to begin to establish in your heart the grace to accomplish the things God's called you to. Let Him begin to come and fill you with power, begin to fill you with life. Holy Spirit, just begin to blow across this place. Just begin to blow across this place and touch every heart. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen, 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 amen. Just stand to your feet, please. Thank you all. Next week, we're going to be starting a series on patterns. And we're going to be talking about God's patterns to build life in us this year. It's going to be probably six to eight week series I'm excited about. So I want to you to come out to be a part of that. Commit fully to being a part of that. Let's set our new year off right, okay, and, and do that. Let me just bless you. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for your grace and your mercy being upon every person. Thank you that your goodness follows them all the days of their lives. Bless them with the fullness of who you are. King Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. 